episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden. This week, we have an interview with one of my former classmates at Carroll University, who now is a pediatric physical therapist, as well as owns her own nonprofit, as we'll talk about in this interview. Megan is a fantastic guest, as I will see in this episode, and something I want to touch on before we get to it is the amount of growth that Megan has had for me as both a classmate and now seeing what she is doing now was super awesome to see. So I was super excited to have her involved in this podcast to talk about what she's doing now outside of work with her Live Recovered. We'll talk about and get into it, what it's evolved in and what it offers to allow for people to understand that everyone goes through some sort of problem in their life. And Megan talks about how she now has resources to allow for people to get the help they need and listen to people's story because you never know that whose life you're going to touch. So without further ado, let's get into the episode with Dr. Megan Lutke. Megan, good afternoon. Hi, Joel. So as I said um, earlier, Megan and I went to PT school together. Um, we were actually in the same cohort, which um, I just did the math on a podcast last week. It's already been two years, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm, it is. Um, and now, Megan, you're you work in the school district now, right? Yes, I do. So I work in the Two River School District as their physical therapist. So I'm the only physical therapist for the district. So I go between the two elementary schools, the middle school and the high school throughout the week. So how many kids do you have on your caseload right now? Right now, I have 30 or 31 I'm adding another one soon. So another student. So 31, 32. So I never did um, a pediatric rotation at all. So I'm the first and I have no problem admitting this. I have no idea how the school system works. Megan, can you tell us a little bit about how it works in the um, school district physical therapy? Yeah, definitely. It's a little different than most people, you know, go to an outpatient setting, do some of this, do some of that. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. I've gotten this question quite a bit because... Not a lot of people know that physical therapists are in school districts. Yeah. So I work with kids that are in special education that have IEPs. Sometimes if they don't have an IEP, there's ways for them to still get services if they need them. But the majority of my students have IEPs. I see them to help increase their access to their education. So for younger kids, this might mean that they're delayed in motor skills. So I'm helping them to be able to run and jump and play with their peers during gym class, in the classroom. I help students navigate the playground too. For more involved students, which are usually, I see them through middle school and high school, they might be walking with crutches, they might have balance disorders. So then I help them with their mobility through the hallway. I see most of my kids in recess, gym class. We have a motor lab. So we're really pushing inclusion in our district to see the students in their natural setting instead of taking them away from their peers. So I pretty much get to play most of the day, do some paperwork, incorporate physical therapy into games, which is pretty fun. So how often, I know it depends, the mm-hmm. you know grand PT school and physical therapy answer of it depends. There's no black. Yeah. Um, but how often do you typically see kids? Is it once a, once a week, twice a week, or as many times as you can fit, fit them into your schedule? Yes. So the majority of my students, I see twice a week, either 15, 20, 30 minutes for my kids that are more involved. I might see them two or three times a week for 45 minutes. And then I have some that are improving quite a bit that don't need much services. So I'll see them 15 minutes. So it does depend. The majority, I see them twice a week for about 20 or 30 minutes. Now, do you get summers off? I do. Yes. So the school summer. 
the school schedule is really awesome. I get summers off. I have all of the same schedule as the kids. So all the holidays, I have the same vacations as them. I have the same schedule as the teachers. So if we have in-service days or teacher work days, um, I come in for those too. Has this been your only job outside of PT school? Or uh, yes, outside of grad school? Yes, it has been. How's it been? It's been it's been good. So I uh, our district is pretty small. The town that I work in is pretty small. So that was definitely a challenge at first to be the only physical therapist, to be a new grad. And then on top of that, the district, well, kind of the whole education system is moving more towards an inclusion model. So I did have a rotation in the school system and I was in the Pond School District. So that was before we really started with inclusion. So I saw more pullout sessions, more sessions in the hallway, working on stairs, kind of the typical like medical model yeah. of treating the impairments and trying to remove those impairments. So it was definitely a challenge to figure out how am I going to see these kids inclusively? What does physical therapy look like if it's in gym class or recess or incorporated into the classroom rather than what we learned in PT school, which is more targeting those impairments. So um, it definitely was a little bit challenging. There's been some awesome conferences and I work closely with our occupational therapist and occupational therapist assistant, which definitely is super helpful. Where is the big push to change coming from? It is coming from the medical model to this inclusion. I mean, that's two different worlds. Right. Yes. So the schools have really always been more focused on the educational model. So improving the participation. But there's been a big push lately with the Wisconsin Department of Education, with just the education system in general throughout the United States to really focus on seeing students with their peers, just because it can be really isolating and it can really point out the students if you're always pulling them then they're missing their classroom time their instruction time and these are the students that need that time the most so it's kind of coming from all angles which i've seen a lot of great benefits to inclusion with kids just being able to stay with their peers because sometimes they can feel singled out if they're taken to a different place they're working directly on skills and we know that the best carryover of skills is practicing it in that environment, in the situation that they need. So instead of practicing balancing on a balance disc or on one foot in a therapy room, we are practicing walking on a balance beam out on the playground or stepping over obstacles when we're in the motor lab, things like that. So Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's basically essentially what physical therapy is, is developing more skills that actually affect what you're physically doing where you can. Right. Yeah, definitely. Which... I always find it interesting and this can be applied to outpatient, which is what I do. And I, you know, do it on a daily basis. I'm sure based on what you've said so far, you would probably agree with this is a lot of the changes that happen in physical therapy isn't necessarily rocket science. It makes a whole lot more sense. But when we look yes. back, it's like, why weren't we doing this, this, this whole time? Cause this is right. too easy. Yes, exactly. Like in the schools, like it does make sense to see the students in their natural environment because why would we want to work on these balance activities and isolation when we can be there in that setting and actually help them through it. So Megan, tell us also a little bit about, I'll call it your side hustle. Yes. What you do on the side. Um, And this is, this is the big point of the whole um, podcast, what I really wanted to get Megan on to talk about um, because I think it's a very unhit market and something we don't talk about, which is the whole point of the website and all the information on there is to talk about it. 
at least from my limited knowledge of it. So Megan, tell us just a little bit about your extracurricular activity. Yeah, definitely. So Joe is talking about Live Recovered. So I started a nonprofit organization. I started this because I struggled with an eating disorder throughout high school and college, and it was really tied to athletics for me. So the original focus of Live Recovered, our first name was Recovered Athletes, was to get information out to athletes that it is possible to fully recover from eating disorders and to share information on eating disorders in general. So it's definitely something that I'm really passionate about. When I'm when I was struggling in high school and college, well, for a while, I didn't even know that I was struggling, which is something that's really common with eating disorders is that the eating disorder part of your brain kind of sneakily makes you think that you're not struggling, that what you're doing is healthy. So I didn't really know I was struggling for a while. And then when I was struggling, it really wasn't talked about much. I didn't see any athletes that were recovered, didn't hear any stories. So it was definitely something that was really isolating and felt like something that I was going to be trapped in for the rest of my life. Um, so during my own journey, something that was a turning point for me was hearing a recovery story from a former athlete that my college coach had had. So that's what sparked Recovered Athletes, Live Recovered, because I wanted to be able to share my story with different high school and college athletic teams because I know that what sparked me to get help was a story and I know that our stories are powerful. So that's kind of how Live Recovered started with me sharing my story with high school, college teams. So I went after school, my job in the school district, after school in the evenings to go and speak to these teams on the weekends. And I've never charged for these costs or for these talks, and I don't think I ever will. Um, but just to get the information out, because I'm not looking to make a profit, I'm looking to help people that are struggling. So that's where the nonprofit came in, because there's costs associated with that driving and the time and the materials. So then I ended up starting the nonprofit, I think about a year and a half ago. So yeah, we started as like, recovered athletes and we've grown. You know, for me, then. you know, preparing for this podcast too. I saw Megan right at the expo for the Lakefront Marathon, yes. but I already knew before that, you know, I wanted to try and get you on, which in the marathon really opened my eyes to this. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is a perfect population to have something like this. Because yeah. I, I treat it all the time too, is sometimes with runners, especially even more specific with athletes, even though I do think this affects everybody, but runners Mm -hmm. specifically do not have enough nutrition in their system, Mm -hmm. which then just kind of goes down another deep rabbit hole. Yes. That I think can lead to the exact message you're trying to get across. Did you have a lot of people stop when you were at the expo? Like, was it a good? Yes, we did. It was really great to just be able to talk to different people and just to recognize that runners are very high risk population, yeah. especially distance runners, marathon runners, because there is this notion that there's a certain way that a runner should look. Yeah. And that being lighter means that you're going to be faster. And that's something that was really toxic and damaging to me just because I was like, this is what my body needs to look like in order to run fast. So there's be, a lot did of- you do track and cross country? I did. So I did distance for track in high school and then I did cross country all throughout high school I did cross country for two years at Carroll okay so definitely in the running world there's a lot of people that have eating disorders so just kind of sharing the message that all bodies are good bodies that the best body to run at for your 
specific body is the one where you're fueling yourself properly, where you're not trying to cut weight, where you're fully living your life. So we definitely had a lot of people stop. The little freebies we had definitely helped to increase that. Um, But still, it's a great way to get information out and help to break stigma on a topic that is definitely still has quite a bit of stigma related to it. Well, I think a lot of that too, I'd be curious what you think too, because I do not have the quote unquote runner's body that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on the other spectrum. Yeah. Nutrition and food to me is something that, again, is kind of like what we were talking about before. It's not, it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. It's fuel for your body. Yeah. But there is not that much education, true education that goes on of, mm-hmm. okay, this is what you should look at. This is yeah. why. And this mm-hmm. is how your body is going to perform when you have this type of intake in your system. It, right. I feel like it's taught as this a big complex thing when it's it's really mm-hmm. not. It's three basic things you need to look at. Plus, uh, for the distance, you need some more electrolytes in your system. Right. So add a little fourth one. But mm-hmm. I'd be curious what you think about that. Yeah, definitely. I think our nutrition education within the school system can definitely be improved because there's just not a lot of information that kids know and then it's also just learning how to give the information and just our society in general is very focused on dieting and weight loss and that doesn't necessarily lead to the best nutrition especially if you're engaging in long distance events and you need fuel you need the energy and you're not going to harm your body by having ice cream you're not going to harm your body by having a hamburger and our society tends to like you need to stay away from those foods and then that leads to all sorts of disordered eating yeah. issues but we definitely need more nutrition education so that people know how to properly fuel their bodies because sometimes people start struggling because they just don't know how much to eat um or they don't have the proper education on that and a risk factor for developing eating disorders is low energy intake and an energy imbalance and that can kind of trigger potential eating disorder behaviors and thoughts in individuals. So I definitely agree that more information is definitely needed to be yeah. shared to people. Where do we start with that? That's a great question. Um I've thought I thought quite a bit about this. So I I'm think sure you could ask that a lot too. Mm-hmm. I think if we can start with the school system that can help teach kids how to fuel their bodies. Because a lot of the messages that we receive is that you need to look to this calorie count, you need to use this equation, you need to track this. But our bodies are really smart. They're designed to be able to know how much to eat. So if we're focusing on our hunger and fullness cues, we can trust our body. I know sometimes that gets tricky with the athletic area just because sometimes our hunger can be diminished, especially after long runs, or it can be hard to do that. But if we start to teach people, we can trust our body, we can trust what it's telling us. That can definitely be a first step to kind of making sure that we're fueling it properly. I thought about this quite a bit. I'm working on an eating disorder prevention program, but reaching out to physicians, having more information there, because that's a place that most people go to at least once a year. So if they're able to get information from their doctor, that can be a great place. I feel like, and I'm, I'm working on a nutrition certification right now because Mm -hmm. something I feel super passionate about that again, it's kind of like what your nonprofit is. I really feel like this market is so untouched and I don't, Mm -hmm. I can't figure out why, because it's not that complicated, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like there's not that much resource really out there coming from the positive 
and not even, I guess not even positive, but more so just from the, we'll say positive mindset of you need this to function versus don't have X, Y, and Z because mm-hmm. that's going to take away from your function, which I right. just, it's like fear mongering basically. Yes. Yes. I agree. There's just, I think there's this big fear in our society that like weight gain is bad. Obesity is terrible. Don't be overweight that it prevents people from receiving the message of like, we need to properly fuel our bodies and it's okay if you eat this and we can eat all types of foods. And so I think it's definitely coming from this fear-based aspect. But if you look to research, there's research that shows that people in the overweight category of BMI actually live longer than people in the normal weight category. And then we have all this push to be in that normal weight category and it's bad to be in the overweight but if we look to research, it doesn't necessarily reflect that. So I definitely think there's a lot of fear and misinformation out there too. I agree. But to me, sometimes it does seem like it's kind of a David versus Goliath type conversation to really get it out to the masses. Even, I mean, influencers on social media, if you really listen to what they're saying on some nutrition stuff, it's kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. The way they say That's not true. You just need to do a basic uh Mm-hmm. research analysis and that what you just said is completely wrong yes but there's also a ton of good stuff out there too i, right. I mean i use a, a lot of stuff that i find online but mm-hmm. um now i was looking at a lot of your blogs that you have and it seems like and granted we went to pt school with a lot of them yeah. but what i found interesting is in going through this marathon prep and going through it made me kind of realize like, well, maybe I potentially have some sort of, and not even eating disorder, but some Mm -hmm. bad tendencies Yeah, that it seems like it affects a lot more people than one, than what people would admit, but two, Mm -hmm. more than we realize as a society. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of people that are struggling with body image. A lot of people think that only women struggle with body image, that men can't struggle, but that's not true there's a significant percentage in that struggle. And it's just really common in our culture to struggle with body image because there's this thin ideal, this muscular ideal that's promoted to us that you will be happy, loved, successful, valued if you fit this body type. So there's a lot more people that are struggling than those that come forward than what we know just because it's very common to just feel like just to see these pictures in um, ads or on Instagram or to just see what the body types are in movies. Or I even talk about this kind of relates to the Body Project program, which is a training that I'm doing right now. It's an eating disorder prevention program created by researchers has been shown to improve body image, decrease eating disorder behaviors. But a great program but something that i talk about is even if you look in children's movies like what is the body type of the princess or prince or hero versus the villain what features do they have what is their body size and just seeing that at a very young age we're promoted that a certain body is good and a certain body is bad so i definitely agree that there are a lot of people struggling and i really like our blog post just because I have learned over the years that vulnerability is super important. And I was just listening to Brene Brown again for one of my courses that I'm taking and just how vulnerability sparks connection and it helps people to not feel alone. 
So that's something that we try to promote throughout Live Recovered is to be open with sharing our stories and our experiences because you never know whose life, whose heart can be touched by being able to open up a little bit more about what you're going through because there's definitely going to be someone else that's going through that too. Yeah. I mean, I that's exactly what I was going to touch on. You said it is why I think the blogs are important is, I mean, that really was... Besides, obviously, the, the personal notes that are in there, mm-hmm. I mean, you're obviously going to read those and feel those. But right. just the basic thing of you never know what part of your story is going to touch someone. Right. And I mean, every, and every blog really hit um, different aspects of that, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. And it looks like you're doing some speaking events, too. Yes. Yeah, so I love doing speaking events. You may have remembered from early in grad school. I don't know if we, we probably ran across each other undergrad too, but I was very shy. I suffered from or struggled with very significant social anxiety. So I love being able to talk about speaking events just because it's something that I'm just really proud that I'm able to do that now where before that would have seemed really impossible. Yeah. So the speaking events have started as me sharing my personal story with high school and college athletic teams which has been so wonderful because I love being able to go to these teams to share my story, to be vulnerable, and then to be able to connect with athletes afterwards. If they want to share their story with me or they come up to ask questions. And a lot of times there aren't any questions or there aren't people that come up, um, but still just knowing that there's power in sharing our stories, which is really awesome. So I've done those kind of speaking events where then also we just, I include information on eating disorders in general and what to do if you're struggling, how to help a friend, just to really cover all of those bases. And then, so I've done that. Lately, I've been moving a little bit more towards the education sphere and I've been working on training school staff in eating disorders. So kind of a general eating disorder for school staff presentation, training them in the body project program. I just love being able to speak, share my story. So Definitely looking to do more speaking events, um, travel a little bit more. That's definitely fun. So, is you is it aimed more for high school athletes, college athletes, or really just athlete in general? Mostly athletes in general. I have probably talked to a similar amount of high school and college teams. Um, the main time that I do the speaking events, just because I work full time, is in the summer when I'm not working. So then I'm able to get like preseason camps and things like that in the middle of August or find different running camps throughout the summer, just because those are kind of scattered around. I was able to speak in Virginia at one point of a friend that lived out there. So it kind of rolled it all into one. So it's been really awesome just to be yeah. able to do this and share the message of full recovery to um, a bunch of different states. Where can we find more information about it? Definitely. So on our website, we have a speaking events tab. And it's just liverecovered.org. .org. Yes. And then. And you're on Instagram too, right? Yep. We're on Instagram at liverecovered. We're on Facebook. We haven't been able to change our name yet. So we're still recovered athletes on Facebook. That'd be one thing for anybody listening is I would, if you're an athlete or parent of an athlete or grandparent of an athlete, I would really argue to go follow it or check out the website because I look at things from a little different perspective. And I think Megan would agree with this is being aware of something 
especially something like this, I think is very important to be aware of that this potentially is out there um, versus using it as not a, not a scare tactic, but don't be afraid of this because it, it is something that is, if it, if it happens, I think it's important to address it immediately, mm-hmm. which leads into my next question, Megan, are what are some signs and symptoms that both me as a provider mm-hmm. or a parent or whoever should be looking out for, whether it's for ourselves or for an athlete we know that there potentially may be a problem? This is a great question. So some signs that you may notice is if someone abruptly starts to kind of change what they're eating, if they start to cut out more foods, if they start to say like, oh, I can't eat this because this is so bad for me. Um, There's something, there's an eating disorder. It's not officially in the DSM, but it's called orthorexia. It'll sound strange and it'll be like, this sounds like actually a good thing, but orthorexia is where someone only wants to eat, and I'm going to use air quotes, healthy foods. So they start to cut out any things with like added sugar or preservatives or any of these things in an effort to be quote unquote healthier. Now, this might sound like an awesome thing, especially for people in the sports realm, health and fitness, but really um, I struggle with orthorexia in the past. And it gets to the point where people might be eating a handful of foods and that's it throughout the day because they're so fearful of the different ingredients or things in foods. Um, They might be afraid of eating anything with fats in it. They might be afraid of eating anything with sugar. That's really limiting. And then that can lead to nutritional deficiencies that makes it very hard to be social. Um, Individuals can become very isolated. So that's with orthorexia. Um, in general, for eating disorders, um, for yourself, if you're really struggling with body image, that doesn't necessarily say that you have an eating disorder, but people with eating disorders tend to struggle with body image. Um, they might also overexercise or be very focused on exercising. Maybe they'll be tracking their food with my fitness pal and being very obsessive with that. Um, if people are struggling with binge eating disorder, which that's the most common eating disorder, a lot of people think anorexia is the most common. That's where someone is tends to be lower body weight, not eating very much enough to support their body. That's just the one that's promoted in the media the most. But really, binge eating disorder is the most common. So if someone's struggling with this, you may notice food disappearing very quickly in your house. You may notice a lot of empty wrappers and containers in the garbage. Um, individuals may express a lot of guilt or shame when engaging in these binge eating behaviors. We also have lots of food rules, may not go out to restaurants. So there's a variety of um, signs for um, eating disorders. And then if we do notice that there potentially Mm -hmm. is something going on, what would be the next step as either, we'll, we'll use the example of if you think that someone might someone close to you might have a problem. So I would say that if you're concerned that someone that you're close to is struggling with food, body image, it may feel awkward, but I would encourage you to reach out to them. So just going up to them when it is a private time, it's just you and them, even if a whole group of you know, or like it's a friend group or family group, just take one person and reach out to them and let them know like, hey, I'm really worried about you. I noticed that you seem to be struggling with food. You're not eating the same food that you used to. 
or, hey, I'm really worried. I noticed that you've been making a lot of comments about your body and about needing to exercise. And I'm just really worried about you. So letting them know your concern, having a conversation with them and really encouraging them to seek professional help. With with eating disorders, this can be really tricky because people with eating disorders tend to be secretive with their behaviors and not want people to know. So if you bring something up, they may get very defensive or angry, but I would can I would encourage you to continue to reach out to them and to support them, model healthy behaviors to them. So model not commenting on your body or talking positively about your body instead of talking negatively about it. Model eating a wide range of foods, show them that it's okay if they eat ice cream, show them that it's okay to go out to a restaurant, show them that it's okay to wear different types of clothing. Um, so really modeling that to them too can be helpful. So Megan, I also always like to end each podcast with everybody now that I've taken it over at work here, because I think this question also encompasses who we are as people, because I think there's a ton of crossover between physical therapy therapists and who we are as individual people outside of work. What motivates you to be a better person or physical therapist? That's a great question. I would say that my faith really motivates me to be a better person, a better physical therapist. Uh, my faith is super important to me. So I really just want to make sure that I am spending my life focused on bringing glory to God and serving and loving his people. So that's really the strong motivator behind the school district behind Live Recovered, behind what I do is to help and serve others. And Megan, again, as I've said on everyone that I've interviewed so far, Megan mm -hmm. continues to add to basically the pool of answers that we have. And it's exactly how I framed it. And the both the physical therapist and the person, I mean, I think there's a ton of overlap. And this is many professions, but I just say this because this is what we do. We're physical therapists. I think there's just so much overlap with you know, who we are as people and how that comes across as us as professionals. Definitely. Now, Mike, is there any, anything else about live recovered or, um, even pediatric, um, uh, physical therapy that you want, want to add or share? Oh, definitely. So for live recovered, if you're struggling with an eating disorder, we have a peer mentorship program. So we connect individuals in recovery that are struggling. You don't have to have a official eating disorder diagnosis. We connect um, individuals struggling to those that are recovered to give them support and encouragement. So we have that. So please feel free to use that if you're struggling or if a loved one's struggling, definitely send that to them. There's more information on our website, liverecovered.org. If you're interested in a speaking event or an eating disorder training, I've done that for physical therapists, for athletic trainers, for school staff, definitely reach out. All of our speaking events are free just trying to get more information and be able to answer people's questions. Um, we also have different support groups. Right now we have faith-based support groups. So definitely feel free to reach out. If you are needing support, we'd love to support you. I'm definitely going to, after we're done, I'm going to send you an email about the physical therapist training. Um, even awesome. if it's for all of us, but even if it's there's something else I should look at. Um, yeah. Because uh, like I said, with my nutrition certification that I'm working on finishing right now, I think that goes on the other Definitely. spectrum of just kind of, you know, closing the loop, so to speak. Right. Um, because I mean, I agree with you just from a different, mm -hmm. not point of view, but different end of the circle, so to speak, is I yes. just think there's not enough information out there. Right. And the more we can get out as a whole mm -hmm. or keep adding opinions and, and information is just better for patients, quote unquote, as a whole. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, Megan, thank you so much for taking a quick evening, especially after school in interview and uh, podcast. If anybody listening has any questions, please reach out to either me um, at Freedom Physical Therapy or Megan. Megan, where's the best way if anybody has any questions to contact you? Yes. So you can email me at liverecovered at gmail.com and feel free to send an email. My name is Megan Ludke. So if you look up the Two Rivers School District Physical Therapist, you can find my information there too. Feel free to send an email through my school, my work email as well. I'm not going to say that one out because the email is quite long. So just like every school email. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Megan, thank you again. Thank you. And again, if anybody has any questions, please reach out to either me or her. And we're probably going to have another podcast. I'm going to put her on this on the spot right now that we're probably going to do this again. Yes, I'd love that. We'll go down a little different rabbit hole, but this was just a good, I really wanted to give Megan the opportunity um, and us as freedom to Mm -hmm. talk more about live recovered again, to just keep slowly kind of inching away, so to speak, or chipping away at the potential problem that I think is out there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you. Well, Megan, thank you again. Yes. Thank you, Joe. Well, thank you again to everybody for listening to another podcast and listening to this interview with Megan. She was fantastic. Um, If anybody knew her in college or before she started this nonprofit, you definitely can see the growth that she has made and just the impact that she's now making for um, the community, both for athletes as well as her patients now. So for me, being a classmate of hers, it was such an honor to have her on for this podcast and to see what she's doing and finally have a chance to talk to her about what she's doing. It was super eye-opening for me as both now a colleague, um, again, and, and as, as a classmate for her, it was super interesting for me. And I hope that everyone listening also got some relevant information out of the interview with her. Again, we're going to have her on another podcast and where my hope is to go through more of a nutritional guide, just some basic things to kind of think about as well as some other signs to kind of notice with people to make sure that you or someone, you know, doesn't suffer from any of these issues that we talked about in this interview. If anybody else would like to be featured on a podcast or has any topic that they would like to talk about, please feel free to reach out to any of us here at Freedom, either at our Fox Point location, our Grafton location, our Brookfield location, or McGuanago. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast. We'll see everybody in the next episode. Mm-hmm.